It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT with you as we start hour number two, my final hour of the week. It's six days a week with Raiders all day on Sunday, as we'll be at the M Resort Casino and Spa. Check us out there Sunday. Pre-game show, 8 a.m., and we're brought to you now by Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility in Area 15. Eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses. I'll be there Saturday afternoon. Hitting balls, having some beverages. Love it there. Go see our friends at Five Iron Golf. John Gruden in a moment. You know by now Josh Jacobs is out on Sunday. No Richie Incognito. Gerald McCoy gone for the year. Denzel Good gone for the year. That's pretty much a worst-case scenario injury-wise. Now, it could always be worse. I don't like to predict injuries. I have never had. I won't. But the quarterback's healthy. Quarterback's the most important player. Darren Waller's healthy. Mad Max, AFC. Defensive player of week one, healthy. So if you look at the players that the Raiders have, they got enough to win here. They spent a lot of money on Kenyon Drake. Ton of money on Kenyon Drake. I remember taking calls that day. People saying, JT, why do they need him? They got Josh Jacobs. Because Josh Jacobs gets banged up every year. Every year, Josh Jacobs is breaking down by the end of the year. He's a hell of a player, Josh is. Love him as a running back for this team. But he gets hurt a lot. So you got to have backups. Kenyon Drake could carry this load. He could have all-purpose yards, not rushing. He could have 120, 130 yards. He could rush for 50, and he could catch the ball for 60, 70 yards. If he has one big reception and breaks a tackle, which he's done his whole career, he could have a 40, 50-yard gain. He's that good. And I know fantasy players are going crazy now with Jacobs out to add Drake to jump him in here because he should get a lot of touches in this game. A lot of touches out there. So let me know the final hour here. We got John Gruden, Jim Trotter, the great Hall of Fame voter, scheduled to join us. We had Jim Plunkett earlier in the show. We just had Chris Matthews from 8 News Now. We'll get in a couple of calls before John Gruden. Reggie in North Las Vegas, thanks for waiting. You're up on the flagship. Go ahead. JT, man, thanks for taking me. And thanks for taking me before the great John Gruden gets on. I wouldn't know how to follow that, man. But Raider Reggie right here in Vegas now. Been following you for a long time, man, from Oakland, you know. And right now, I I just have to say this. I'm a God-fearing man. I do know about having God-given gifts. And what I do know about that is you have to be intentional. Just because you're gifted don't mean you're going to be a, a, a pro bowler. Doesn't mean you're going to be a superstar. You have to be intentional. Looking at our guy, uh, Mad Max, and how he's intentional on changing the way he trains and to make himself better. Looking at uh, Renfro, how he goes out of his way to improve himself. All these other young guys, it's time to step up. You have to be intentional. Go out there and make a difference. Hopefully, in the preseason, and the offseason, you will be an intentional 
change the way your play is going to be this year to make these Raiders what they should be. I'm just hoping they all step up. I'm looking for some outstanding play by our guy, Edwards. I'm looking for some outstanding play by, mm-hmm. by our line. It, it's a lot being put on their shoulders. They got to step up. Defense, you got to step up. And I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it. We've been through this too many times of being hurt or we don't have this guy or that guy. Man, you know how many people wish they could be on an NFL team? Practice squad, let alone starting. Man, all I want to say is this, Raider Nation, stand up. I'm not able to make it to Pittsburgh, but I sure wish I could. I'm going to be Raider crazy all day in San Diego watching this game. Good man. We need this win. Gruden, real quick. The thing, uh, Gruden, the speech he made or the statement he made got me so fired up, man, knowing how they was ready for that play at the end of the game. And going to the Raider uh, Allegiant Stadium tour and going into the locker room and they played a statement made by Gruden, Mm -hmm. bruh, (laughs) I was ready to play ball right there. (laughs) So what I'm saying is this, you could be motivated, you could be talented. You could be gifted all, all to get up. But if you have no intention and no desire to get there and do the work to get there, it means nothing. Raider Nation, stand up all day. JT the Brick, I'm out. Raider Nation, unite is what I've said over the decades. Unite. This is a game to unite. Look at this. People are texting me if I'm going to Life is Beautiful tonight to see Megan the Stallion. No, I'm not. I'm going to Life is Beautiful tonight because I used to take my kids there and drop them off. I'm going there tonight for some beverages, bop around downtown. Uh, Haven't been to downtown in a while from uh, deep, deep Summerlin. So I'm going to show my face tonight down at Life is Beautiful. Enjoy the outdoors. You know, I work hard all week for you. You know, I do everything I can for you all week. Need to get out because life is beautiful. Enjoy a good night tonight. iHeart Radio in town. A lot of good things happening here in Vegas. Man, we are a busy city. We are a busy city. I got room for you. 702-365-9200. John Gruden coming up momentarily. Keith in Walnut Creek. What's happening, Keith? Thanks for waiting. Hey, Brick. I want to talk about uh, Kenyon Drake, but uh, first mm-hmm. I got to let you know. I go back with you all the way to the mighty 690 when you were a caller on that other show and also mm-hmm. with uh, Hacksaw. I know you had him on as a guest. And in my time, I've never seen the types of injuries we suffered in week one, uh, especially after, you know, we sat these guys all out so they didn't get banged up. It's just shocking to me the number of injuries, particularly the Mariota one where he has one play, runs down the field, and injures his leg. It's just, it's shocking. But Kenyon Drake. When they signed him in the offseason, there was criticism about how much we paid him. And I was ecstatic to get him. I called up Vinny and told him I was happy to get him. Mm -hmm. I'd seen him play for the Dolphins. I'd seen him play for the Cardinals. Thought he was a good back. And I think John Gruden and Mike Mayock realized that Josh Jacobs, who I like, but he hasn't proven himself to be durable through a single season yet, that they had to get a guy that was a quality running back, that if things went sideways, they could plug him in and play. And Booker did a good job for us last year, but clearly Booker was beyond his prime, and he said, hey, he stepped up. I don't think he was a guy we could rely on. So I think Drake was a great move. It's paying off right now, and I think 
I mean, I'm not, I don't want to use the injury-prone label on Jacobs, but I think the way things are going right now, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that's going to be the workhorse. I think he's going to have to be part of a running back by committee, and he's never going to get that payday that uh, uh, Zeke got in Dallas. So um, no. in the long run, I think depth is more important. I like these guys, and I hope they all step up. Let's keep the momentum running. I know it's a, t- uh, it's a tough challenge going on a short week to Pittsburgh, but let's keep it going and let's make it to the playoffs this year. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And when you think about it, I'm not going to get in the way of Josh Jacobs' money. Who am I to say that? I'm not going to say that Josh Jacobs. I'm on the flagship station working for the team. I'm not going to say that Josh doesn't deserve money or this or that. That's none of my business. They evaluate him and decide to pay him. But can he remain available? That's why Drake was brought in, and they paid this much money for Drake. So just in case they needed him week two. The thing that I'm most disappointed about, and it's sad, is Mariota. Because if Derek got nicked up, and we hope he doesn't, he plays every play this year, Mariota's supposed to be the best backup quarterback in the league, but he's not available. He, I mean, he, he breaks down a lot, a lot. And I thought that one of these teams were going to go after Mariota to have him be a starter and give the Raiders you know, some nice compensation. You know, Give the Raiders the third-round pick. Give the Raiders something for Mariota. And other teams are looking around now probably saying, why? The guy can't get on the field or he can't stay on the field. It's a big storyline there. Every week, I have an opportunity to talk to John Gruden, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, with over 60 locations here in the Valley. PTs, come on out and watch football. Here's my conversation with the head coach of the Silver and Black. All right, Coach, you got to be excited. It was a Monday night classic, and this time you got to celebrate with the fans after the game. What was that like? It was great. It was, um, it was a really special moment just because it was the first time the fans were actually there. Uh, being reunited with so many Raider fans was uh, a great, great night. And to win the game the way we won it was a, was a great moment I'll never forget. I want to go back to the drive where Derek, at the end of regulation, 37 seconds ago, set up Carlson for the game-tying field goal. Walk me through that. Raider Nation believes that may be the defining moment so far of Carr's young career. He's a really good quarterback when the game is on the line in a two-minute drill. He's proven that. But uh, we had a good conversation on the sidelines. He helped me with the first call. Uh, we named it after one of our local restaurants here. We call it Spago. Uh, and he threw a beautiful square in to Brian Edwards against his own defense. He ran up there, he clocked it, and then we threw five verticals, and uh, he made another great tight window throw to Edwards, who really came of age in that drive as well. Um, and we gave Carlson a chance to tee it up, and as I said before, I think he's as good a kicker as, as there is in football right now. I want to stay with Edwards. You've been talking about him. When Walla got all those targets, which is great because he's the best player, the other guys stepped up when they had to. Renfro down the sidelines. Edwards, which we thought was the game, winning touchdown at one point, and especially Ruggs had a couple big catches. And we have to do a better job getting the other receivers involved early. But uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, as good and unpredictable as they were on defense, we we're going to feature them with our best player. And we were really upset with how we played in the first 10 to 15 plays. Waller had some great looks. We just didn't convert them. But the more people we get involved, the better this offense is. You saw Kenyon Drake. You did see the two young receivers, Ruggs, Edwards, Zay Jones at the end of the game. Uh, Foster Moreau gets no credit on the stat sheet, but a lot of the passes that were complete 
or because he was doing a great job protecting. Then you get the unfortunate news of the injuries and Denzel Good in the offensive line. Here we go again with Tom Cable. Next man up, fortunately, Tom Cable, one of the best O-line coaches, a former head coach. What are the challenges like now? Well, it's tough. Obviously, we uh, made some changes on the line. Salary cap implications were a big part of it. Uh, But we're missing Richie Incognito, and now we're missing Denzel Good, two guys that we had counted on to be our starters, but it is a credit to Tom Cable, but Mike Mayock, his staff have done a nice job bringing players in. Jermaine Illuminor comes off the bench and plays 70 snaps, winning football for us at right guard, and we just signed Jordan Simmons from the Seattle Seahawks. Lester Cotton, one of our young guards, is going to be ready to go, and they're going to have to step up. They've got no choice. Let's move to the Steelers and what they pose up front. T.J. Watt now, the highest-paid player ever at that position. Cam Hayward, they got good players up front. They come at you in waves. What do you see? Hayward, you say Cam Hayward? He's not Cam Hayward. He's an excavator. You ever see those big yellow excavators? Uh, number 97, he chews up blockers. He's a, he's a premier defensive lineman in this league. He's, he's a, a guy that, that makes it really hard to run the ball against. Devin Bush, Schobert, their two inside linebackers are very, very good recognizing schemes. And they have guys that can come off the edge with T.J. Watt. Now they've got Melvin Ingram. High Smith is a guy coming into his own. And they have an unorthodox scheme, and the crowd noise will be a problem. So we got our hands full, no doubt. Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, Dick LeBeau, those principals. Mike Tomlin, who you know well, you just came off the Ravens. They give you two powerhouses in the AFC North. you got to travel on a short week. Let's talk about the philosophy of this coaching staff and what they like to do on defense. Well, it's a 3-4 defense. They got two outside linebackers every year. You can go back in time to Kevin Green and over and over, you know, Harrison, Harrison. They've had they've had guys for years at that position Um, and they've got two more now. They make it hard to run the ball. You can't get the ball outside. They set the edges extremely well. They got big people inside that chew up blocks like Cam Hayward and two very active inside linebackers that are unforgiving. And when you do throw the ball, you got to deal with an arsenal of Pittsburgh Steeler blitzes and those doggone Steeler fans waving those towels. So it's going to be a great week of preparation for us. Our guys are working hard, and uh, we can't have any excuses. We've got to go down there and showcase our mental toughness and our preparation. You go up against Lamar Jackson, who's like a video game, and now a future Hall of Famer, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. So let's spend some time talking about wanting to keep Lamar in the pocket and now wanting to get Ben outside the pocket, the differences between those two challenges. Well, the offense the Ravens run is exclusive to them. You're never going to see an offense like that. It's geared toward the quarterback running. Um, Pittsburgh has made a living over the years with Roethlisberger extending plays as well. The best thing Big Ben does is compete and finish plays. He makes more unscripted offense than a lot of guys, and he did it last week in Buffalo. So we do want to get him in the pocket, and we want to get him on the ground. He's like an oak tree. He's about 6'6", 260 pounds. Uh, And they do have some good, young, talented receivers that present a problem. And Nigel Harris is a good young back. What I loved about the defense is you punished Lamar Jackson when he tried to run the fumbles. And that's it, the physicality. Can we touch on that? Mad Max, the first AFC Defensive Player of the Week this year. I thought the finishing hits, Nassib, were brutal and hard. And you've been preaching that with Gus Bradley, finish these plays. Well, we get people to the ball. We play primarily zone coverage. And when you're playing zone, You don't have your eyes just on your guy that you're covering. You can have vision and see the quarterback take off. And when he takes off, you take off. Darius Phylon, 
who was out of football last year, had two or three hustle plays. And Gakwe, before he came out of the game, had a couple great sideline-to-sideline finishes. Perryman had 10 tackles. K.J. Wright had a great hit in the open field. So we got some newcomers involved. Casey Hayward had a big open field tackle. Uh, It was a great start, but no time to celebrate. Pittsburgh is uh, waiting, and they're a great challenge as well. Let's wrap it up with the rivalry. Take me back. You're a kid. You're watching TV with your brother, your dad. You're watching the Steelers and the Raiders. (laughs) Initially, not in the same division, in the same conference. It's one of the best rivalries in all sports. It's like the Celtics-Lakers. Yeah. And every year, you you don't care who's playing in the regular season. You know, those two teams, the Miami Dolphins, are going to be there in the AFC uh, until the end. And when you look at the Hall of Famers that played on both of these teams, I mean, it was Cliff Branch against Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert against Mark Van Egan. You know, it's Kenny Stabler versus Terry Bradshaw. I mean, I have great memories, not just of the Immaculate Reception game, but Lynn Swan going across the middle against George Atkinson and, and Tatum and vice versa. Uh, Mike Wagner and those guys in Pittsburgh, Donnie Schell, uh, Chuck Knoll, John Madden. You know, you're, you're talking about legacy teams and and to be a part of that thing is is really exciting and the first time you were in that rivalry first time with the Raiders and now it means something to you you understand history your coaches do this is a big one it is and you know what I like JT is everybody's changing uniforms got the fluorescent (laughs) pants I watch the Pittsburgh Steelers I remember the Steelers just like that and the, the silver and black hasn't changed one bit when you see these two teams hit the field it just does Uh, force you almost to think about some of the classic games in NFL history. Good luck in Pittsburgh, Coach. Thanks, JT. All right, Coach Gruden's weekly interview with me. We appreciate his time. He's given me a lot of time in the first two ones. I don't expect a lot of time every week with him. He's been really generous with his time in the studio there, and you'll see that interview on television as you catch it every Saturday on the Silver and Black Show. There he is. Loves the rivalry. How about that fluorescent pants? knocking the uniforms in this league because the Raiders and Steeler uniform remains the same. I agree with him on that. 702-365-9200. Call the show and let me know how the Raiders win in Pittsburgh. Who wrote him off? I mean, write those names down. I'd like to know who wrote him off. I mean, really. Who wrote him off? Who, why would you write him off? I don't know why you'd write him off. He's still a hell of a player, a great competitor. He loves the big moments. I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, argue with you over it, but there's a lot of people making statements that are just ridiculous. Love that about Coach Gruden. They're writing off Ben Roethlisberger. Guy's going to put on a gold jacket and walk right in the front door of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hopefully the Raiders can beat him here. JT, back with you. So we're excited today. We welcome Charles Woodson to the show. He's now a new partner of ours with Woodson Whiskey. So that's exciting. We'll tell you more about the giveaways we're going to have, what we're going to do with Charles coming up here. Uh, It means a lot to me that Charles has a lot of confidence in me and the show as he's launching not only his wine but his whiskey. And we're going to help him out with that along the way. And Doghouse Inside Resorts World. If you haven't been to Resorts World yet, I'm shocked. Because it's the biggest and best, the giant global casino that just opened here in Vegas. And it is gorgeous. And Doghouse is their sports venue where they have their sports book. You know, a lot of casinos, you walk in and they have the sports book in the middle of the casino. No, 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 no. 
the, the resorts world is much different. They took the sports book and put it in doghouse. And they have a giant stage where they have country bands and rock bands perform. So right after Monday Night Football, they're a proud partner of our Monday Night Football show. I'll be there this Monday from 4 to 5.30. If you want to stay through the game and then the live entertainment afterwards, we're really excited about that. So we welcome in our new partners because they're very important to us. My next guest is one of the most respected minds in the NFL from NFL Network and NFL Media, Hall of Fame voter Jim Trotter kind enough to join us. And, Jim, I want to start going back to Monday night. I don't think we'll ever see a finish like that again. Walk me through how you saw it in real time. I don't know if we have enough time for that. <laughs> um, I felt as exhausted as the players did, man. You know, one minute you think it's over, then it's not. You think it is, and it's not. Um, it was just crazy. I think I even tweeted that in three decades of covering the league, I can't remember a finish like that uh, where, you know, it looked like the Raiders had it and. um there and then you have that interception and you know the, the uh, car takes them down again and just back and forth it was just wild man I can't even begin to put it all together so but it was fun and the thing that I took out of it more than anything is that um, look Gruden is facing a lot of scrutiny this year and I've never understood all the criticism that Derek Carr receives it, it just kind of blows my mind um, but it showed that John has a lot of faith in Derek with some of the play calling down at the end, um, in the two or uh, the drive at the end of regulation, and then in overtime and the zero coverage to go out and be willing to put the ball up like that when you're you're in field goal range. You could say um, it showed me that he believes in him. So I think folks need to stop with all the speculation about either John doesn't believe in him or that Derek's not a good quarterback. Derek's a very good quarterback. Nicely said. I mean, that, that talk's been going on for years. And out here in Vegas where I'm based, you still hear a little of it, but they should have moved on from that a while ago. I thought it was a devastating loss for Baltimore, considering the way they lost it, getting the ball back in overtime. And Lamar Jackson fumbles again. I think Raiders get credit for finishing off hard hits and dislodging the ball, but I thought Lamar was a little bit sloppy with ball control in that game, and that's a game that could come back to haunt them because I didn't have them as a lock for the playoffs. I have them as a wild-card team behind Cleveland, and that game could be costly by the end of the year, especially with all their injuries, Jim. They're decimated. No, no question, but the thing I always pause with Lamar because they're not even in that game without Lamar. Yeah. Um, some of the plays that he made were just incredible. So um could he have could he have greater ball security yes he was the first to admit that after he should have had two hands on the ball on that last fumble um but again they're not even in that position without him so i i, I it's hard for me to be really critical of him from that standpoint um i thought he played a tremendous game in terms of his ability to make plays from the pocket which people have so been, been so critical of when it comes to him um and i i think we saw another another element of his game develop um, with his ability to make those plays from the pocket in the passing game. Uh, but you're right. They are banged up. They are hurting. If there's one thing that, that you know, could benefit them in terms of the playoffs is that we have one extra team this year. So, you know, that's a positive for them. But it, it's – it's look, JT, you know this. It's a long year, man, and – I'm just not one of those guys that gets worked up after week one. I know you are. That's why we love having you on, Jim Trotter. The injuries of Dallas, when we look at Lawrence up front and what they've been dealing with, 
And everybody talks about, I'm not into moral victories and moral losses. This is a NASCAR where you get points for coming in fourth or second place. But so many people and Dallas fans and even media talk about a good loss and how good the Cowboys looked in that game. Now with the added injuries going into the Chargers, I mean, that's going to be somewhat of a home game, as you know, for Dallas with all those fans <laughs> there. But there's a big spot for them, right. too. And uh, touch on the Chargers win where Washington turned it over in their own and Washington had a good chance of winning that game. Yeah, I'll say this to you about about the, the Washington Charger game. The player who stood out the most to me in that game, to be quite frank with you, mm-hmm and it's not being talked about enough with um, Rashawn Slater, the, right. the Rashawn Slater, the left tackle for them. To be a rookie going against that front where we all say that's one of the best front sevens in football, particularly that defensive line when you talk about uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat there, and for him to not only not give up a sack but not even give up the pressure in that game, that says a lot to me. So um, I thought he was the most impressive performer in that game. I think Dallas is in some trouble here on Sunday from the standpoint, as you say, you know, they could be without both their starting defensive ends. We know Lawrence is out. Gregory may be out. Um, And I was reading a stat, I think, this morning that of all of their remaining defensive ends, they've got a total of, of, I think, less than than 17 sacks, if I remember right, Mm -hmm. something like that, for their careers. So if you can't generate pressure on Justin Herbert, um, and that passing game, it's going to be a problem for you. Now, having said that, I do believe Dallas's offense obviously is really good, as we saw with Dak. I think he's been over 400 yards in four of his last five games. And I think offensively they'll be able to do some things. But what it comes down to to me in that case is which defense can make one more stop than the other. And I feel much more confident saying that Los Angeles can make a stop as opposed to Dallas with all those injuries. Jim Trotter, kind enough to join us. Uh, Jim, the Saints and Jameis and what happened, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and you know, the Aaron Rodgers offseason was such a big story. And again, you're very guarded and you don't jump into all the drama behind what happened with him. He came back on board. You, I was shocked when he said the energy level was down. That, to me, jumped out at me because you never admit that. The one thing every – I've never heard Dan Fouts. I've never heard any quarterback, Hall of Famer, ever said, you know, we played our worst game, we're going to win, we'll be okay, but we didn't have the energy that I thought in that game. And he's got to provide that energy boost with his body language and his ability there. What jumped out at you at that game from the Packers' perspective and their inability to get anything going? Well, I think, number one, let's give credit to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I thought Sean Payton did a fantastic job with Jameis. You know, he was as much a focus going into that game as anyone, everyone wondering how was he going to perform after basically sitting the bench last year behind Drew Brees, um, coming off a 30-interception season uh, two years ago down in Tampa and whatnot. And I thought he played tremendous, and I think that's a credit to not only Jameis but to Sean's staff, who does a tremendous job of adjusting their schemes and their play calling to the strength of their individual quarterback. You know, we saw how they did it with Drew. When Drew went down, we saw how they did it with Teddy. When Teddy was not the guy, we saw how they did it with Taysom, and now we see how they do it with Jameis. So credit to them. From Green Bay standpoint, look, I think there was a carryover from the offseason. I think all of that drama with, with Aaron um, and then even him coming back, I just don't think the guys were sort of in sync um, and mentally where they need to be. And I put part of that on coaching as well. Matt LaFleur has got to recognize if that energy's not there. It didn't just happen on Sunday. It had mm-hmm. to be that way during the week as well. So, But again, 
as I've said to you before, I'm, I'm not a prisoner of the moment. I think they'll be fine. There's too much talent on that roster. Um, and I think that, that Aaron will have them right uh, come this Sunday. The question for me is then let's see what happens in the couple of games after that. If I remember right, I think they have San Francisco and Pittsburgh, and that's where we'll get more of a real test. Detroit is not going to be a real test for them. Where do you stand on Chicago and Justin Fields and the timeline on the pressure on Nagy to make the move full-time? Yeah, you know, what's interesting to me is that I was at that game Sunday, mm-hmm. and the, the Bears were down at one point to their fourth-string tackle. So I'm thinking to myself, look, I, I'm like everyone else. I believe that Justin Fields um, is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton, and um, I believe that he can make certain plays that Andy Dalton can't. But the one thing I have seen in the history of the NFL is that when you throw a young guy in there and you can't protect him and he gets beaten up early, it has a detrimental effect on his career. Um, we can go down the list of quarterbacks who have faced that. And so I'm not so upset that they're not rushing Justin Fields onto the field because of that. I thought what they were trying to do uh, last Sunday was smart in terms of get him, you know, get his feet wet by getting him out on the field for a certain number of plays or having a certain package for him. And, and that way you can sort of build that sort of confidence and you can see where he's at and also where that offensive line is at. But I'm not one of these people that's just going overboard because the minute you put that young guy in and you can't protect him and he gets beaten up, now all of a sudden you've affected your long-term plan with this quarterback and potentially this team. So I'm all right with the way they're handling for this moment, but I do think he needs to get more snaps in terms of what packages they have for him. Finally, Jim, I had such a good time at the Hall of Fame with the Raiders. I emceed Tom Flores' party and went to Bender's with the Bolitnikovs and just had some cool access, went to Charles Woodson's party, and I, I left with my wife after that weekend and said, I'm good now. If, if I'm not back here in a year or two and you do this every year and you're a voter, and then I got the Cliff Branch news that we were excited about as a senior a nominee, and I'm looking, I'm going, maybe I'll go back again, but when does your mind start rolling? Do you ever take a break on your Hall of Fame conversations? Are you always thinking about this year, next year, two years out? Because I know you and your peers that are fortunate enough to be a part of the process behind the scenes. That was a special recent trip with two classes going in back-to-back. Yeah, it was. I thought the Hall of Fame did a great job when you talk about so many inductees going in and how COVID had impacted the previous year. Um, in terms of our mind, no, you never shut it off. It's interesting. After we, even as we sit sit in the room when um, a current class is being decided, once the final votes are in, there's always this question that comes up, hey, who's coming down the pike? Mm-hmm. And so you're already thinking about, well, what's next year going to be like? You know, who are the first year eligible guys? All those sorts of things. So from that standpoint, no, you never turn your brain off. Um, it's always with you. I was, I was, you know, uh, ecstatic is too strong a word, but I was really happy that Cliff Branch finally um, is going to get his time in the room because as, as a Bay Area native and whatnot, um, I saw him play a lot growing up, and I just thought that, that you know, it was deserved that he had this opportunity now. I feel it should have come a long time ago, but I'm not going to worry about that. He's here, um, you know, his, his candidacy is here now. Let's vote on it and hopefully push him through, and, and um, he's more than deserving. So I'm, I'm happy for his family. I wish it would have happened while we were still here, but I'm happy for his family that, that he's going to have this moment. Always a pleasure, Jim. I greatly appreciate your time. Talk to you down the road. Thank you again. I appreciate you having me.
Have a great weekend, Jim. Jim Trotter. We get him on two or three times a year. I usually throw him on one of the Raiders' podcasts. He's exceptional. And I think one of the voices for Cliff Branch. Remember, Cliff is now a senior finalist. Cliff is in that room now. Cliff needs 80% of the vote. He should get it. Jim Trotter is in that room with a big, big voice. John Clayton's in that room. Howard Balzer's in that room. They're all frequent guests on my show. These are all guys who should be fighting for Cliff. And if anybody in that room, anyone, is not pulling for Cliff Branch, it's a disservice to the Raiders and the Raider organization. All about Cliff for the Hall of Fame. Big topic for us. Huge topic that will build towards the Super Bowl when the announcement will be made. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports is going to pick three games. Give them to you for free. Coming up next, and he texted me saying the Raider game is won. Uh-oh. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, a pro, will pick three games, including the Raiders, coming up next. Derek is a, uh, is a lifelong Raiders fan growing up. Even the games before you were born back in the 70s where they just had these Raiders-Steelers rivalry games yeah. and so forth and the Immaculate Reception and all that stuff. What are some of your early, early yeah, memories the of the ground. Steelers? And, <laughs> and just some of the thoughts that you had of the Steelers and players that, you know, as a, as a Raider growing up, yeah. as a little kid, what were, you, what were your thoughts of the Steelers? Yeah, well, you know, you got to respect them, obviously. Yeah, it's like I said, that ball touched the ground. But, uh uh, you know, we've had our fair share of battles in my career, too, which is fun for me to have a little bit of part of history, you know, uh, of that rivalry. JT, as we continue, let's jump in right here. We do it every week. Why Lee Sterling? Because of his documented track record. I trust him. ParamountSports.com. Go to ParamountSports.com as we continue. Hey, Lee, before we get to the games, you and your staff have a lot of work to do with these injuries in the NFL, I mean, a lot of people don't want to overreact so early in the season. When you look at the Cowboys, the Raiders, there's a lot of teams around the league that are extremely banged up, and we're only at week two. And, and on top of that, they're not real forthcoming on, on how severe some of them are. So, uh, I mean, there's some guys that missed the last game or were taken out of the last game. They're still listening as questionable. So a little bit easier than last year uh, with all the games canceled because of COVID, players out because of covid but uh that's why we're here that's why you call the pros you got it. let's go to alabama and nick saban is not happy so far this year especially with the lack of our energy early against mercer that's a walkover game and now florida's waiting and i've always struggled because you're you live in florida you cover miami so closely that the Florida quarterback, and there's been some decent ones there, but I think Alabama's ability to have better quarterbacks now and NFL quarterbacks are the key to this rivalry. Alabama minus 15 against Florida. Let's dive into this one. Okay, so I thought that Miami played it wrong even before the game started last week. They won the whole – it wasn't last week, two weeks ago. They win the coin toss, and if you trail Alabama – by double digits, you have like almost a 0.00 chance of winning the game. So what does Miami do when they win the coin toss? They defer to the second half. You have to accept the coin toss. You need to score first. You need to put the pressure for once on Nick Saban. Dan Mullen is going to be aggressive, in my opinion. He's 0-10 straight up versus Nick Saban. He hasn't tasted victory since he was the offensive coordinator for Urban Meyer with Tim Tebow at quarterback in the 2008 SEC 
championship game, but he has covered five of the last eight games. He has two quarterbacks that are dual-threat quarterbacks, and that's where you can put some pressure on the Alabama defense. No one has the personnel of Alabama, but they have two quarterbacks in Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones who are mobile. How about Anthony Richardson? He is something else running the football, already four touchdowns, and he's averaging 25 yards per carry. If you see it in the paper, it's not a misprint. So they also have a defensive coordinator I think a lot of, Todd Grantham. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can show a ton of different looks and dial up a variety of blitz packages that might be able to slow down Bryce Young, who really has not seen much resistance yet. Playing in the swamp is one tough order. I've been there before. There's absolutely no breeze. There's nothing. You've got over 90,000 fans. They haven't been there in over a decade. And Bama was a two-touchdown favorite in the SEC title game last year and only won by six points. This game's going to the wire, JT. Mm. Bama escapes 35-31. Yeah, and the total move went from 54.5 up to 59.5. Could it go a little bit higher there? Oh, I think- it could end up 60-61, no question. All right, let's move to the NFL where the Raiders are on a short week and the way that game went back and forth against Pittsburgh, everybody's still, excuse me, against Baltimore, everybody's still talking about it. I like how the Raiders played physical and dislodged the ball from Lamar Jackson. And the only shot I think they have in this game with their injuries is they got to get to Ben Roethlisberger and hope Big Ben gets rid of the ball quickly and there's not a lot of broken plays. Pittsburgh, what a tell of two halves, Lee. They open up against Buffalo with nothing. I thought Buffalo was going to boat race them. Then Tomlin makes the adjustment, and they completely outcoach Buffalo on the road. Raiders at the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the great rivalries in the history of the AFC. It is. Like you and I, we grew up seeing these games, you know, uh, being a Dolphin fan. Both of these two teams uh, were involved in a lot of games against my Dolphins, and we're, we're some of the most exciting teams to watch. And they're there except for the offensive lines of both teams. They need to get better. Uh, the Raiders, uh, I, I, they could still be celebrating. That was a tough game to get over. It was on Monday night. They got to travel in the short week and play early. That's going to be tough to deal with here. And then um, I, I'm watching their offensive line, and I just have a feeling they're going to have a real tough time against T.J. Watt and Devin Bush. When Devin Bush is healthy, he's kind of the glue, even though he's a middle linebacker that keeps them together. They lost their top two middle linebackers last year, and they were never the same here. The presence of Najee Harris uh, means defenses have to respect the run a little bit more. A lot of people, they judge running backs on how many yards they gain. And, and like Ezekiel Elliott and, and Najee Harris, they played great games because they stepped up and they stopped the blitz. So these are guys that are really good at doing everything here. Derek Carr is going to have to play a clean game here. Uh, the defense and the back end is going to have to play better. I think it's a tough order. I normally don't lay points with Pittsburgh more than a field goal at home, but I think they're the right side. They pull away late 34-20. 34-20 Steelers over the Raiders. Lee Sterling joins us, Paramount Sports. It's amazing that Kansas City falls behind in so many games and comes back and wins easily or just gains composure late in the game with more pressure on them. Cleveland's going to regret that game. Cleveland had him beat, should have been able to close that out. Now Kansas City, Baltimore, very interesting game to me because Baltimore's banged up. They're bringing in anybody at the running back position. Lamar's going to have to carry the team again. And I think Kansas City's defense 
Made some big plays in that last game. Line opens up Kansas City minus two and a half. Now it's three and a half as they're a road favorite. We'll play it with three at three where you got the line earlier in the week. Give me this game. Yeah, and now they're going to get back some of their best defensive players. The Honey Badger and Frank mm-hmm. Clark are expected back for, for this game. They just they just didn't have enough able bodies to make plays in the defense. And luckily special teams came through for them. But how good is Patrick Mahomes in September? Check this out. He's 11-0 and as a starter. 35 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So uh, Baltimore... Uh, They're up against it. They're up against a team that's dominated them. Andy Reid is one of these guys during the summer. I really think he looks at defenses and schemes things out, and I think he comes up with 15, 20 plays to start the game, uh, and he does that for the first four or five opponents. I think he's going to do that. The Ravens secondary, they really have one guy that can make plays back there, and now they're going to face a Kansas City team that has even better receivers than the Raiders here. I think Kansas City is going to get the job done. High-scoring game, 37-27. And, Lee, finally, let's get your game of the week, how we can get it, because it's an important one. Line movement, Seattle opened up minus 3.5. It's at 5.5 or 6 throughout the strip here. Tennessee comes in embarrassed in that first game, outright embarrassed. And there's a little bit of talking going on within the organization that we're hearing from Vrabel to Julio Jones and back, and the fans are catching on to this. Big spot for Tennessee. I had them winning the AFC South, winning 12 games. I think they could go 0-2. It's a big game you've had circled and a big line move also with the total that went from 49 to 54. How do we get your game of the week? Yeah, it is. And also, Seattle needs to keep winning. Um, They're probably in the toughest division in the NFL. So you want to get this game for free? Call right now, 800-400-9741. Call that number, 800-400-9741 to get my Seattle-Tennessee game for free. Last week we hit on our big college game, Kentucky Wildcats. We rate our games from 10 to 50 units. Gave out our first ever week one NFL max wager on the Carolina Panthers. That came through. We're 53-18 and the last 15 years on these 40 to 50-unit plays. Another 40-unit play goes on Saturday. You want to hop on board normally, $300 for two weeks of my phone service. Use coupon code SAVE150, just $150. It includes everything for two weeks. I know I'm cutting the price. I know it's cheap, but I know if people come aboard and I win for them, they're going to want to ride with me through the Super Bowl. How do you get involved? ParamountSports.com. Take care, Lee. Good luck this week. Talk to you next week. Thanks, JT. Have a good weekend. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Got some time for Allen in Vegas. Alan, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead, please. JT, appreciate the show. I listen every day driving around. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, I was just going to look at the Raiders. I think they could win this thing. I know, uh, you know, he just thought the the Steelers were going to roll us. But, you know, I just think that with an opportunistic defense, we can make some things happen. And I I watched that Pittsburgh Bills replay on the NFL channel, and I don't think they looked that good. I mean, they They got away with the man. But I thought they had a lot of, I call them half turnovers, that could easily have gone the other way. And you know, I think if we're opportunistic, we can do this. I agree. They're going to have to just play a clean game, and they're going to have to get some breaks and some turnovers. It's a very tough game to predict. Maybe one of the toughest this year for the Raiders because a short week, the onslaught of injuries, no Josh Jacobs, 
an offensive line that doesn't have a lot of experience together. It's tough to say, hey, man, Raiders look great in this game. They're going to kick ass. It's not one of those games. They're going to have to be fortunate, turn the ball over, take advantage of those turnovers. That's hard to predict. This is a game I'd sit away from if I was a gambler. I wouldn't touch it. A lot of people are going Pittsburgh here, but the Raiders could shock the world with their depth on defense. The defense is going to have to play great the way they did in the second half with the game on the line against Lamar Jackson. I agree. I'm gonna. I'm still going to roll them out with the money line, see if we can get paid. Thank you. All right. Good for you. Money line. Money line. Thanks for the call. Hey, Monday I'm off because I'm working with the Ogden Family Foundation. Jonathan Ogden, one of the great Hall of Famers who lives here. His foundation with his wife is outstanding. They asked myself, Steph McKenzie, my good friend Dana Wagner from News 3 to help out. So I'll be out there with Napoleon McCallum. There's going to be Haseem Rachman. A lot of Jason Giambi will be out there. Look forward to that. A whole bunch of cool celebrities who make Vegas their home. And we'll have a great time. The Hall of Famer Rod Woodson will be there. Darius Phylon of the Raiders. And, of course, Jonathan Ogden. And so many great sponsors here in town. So, Monday is not a pool day for me. We're helping out, and hopefully I can help out your team and your charity. Uh, that's the least I can do for you listening to my show. We were excited to welcome in Woodson Whiskey today and also Resorts World. In my entire career, the opportunity to represent Resorts World on the radio, Doghouse, is where I'll be Monday night for Monday night football. I'll be there from 4 to 5.30 uh, as the game kicks off before I do my show on Sirius XM. And I hang out there a lot. Doghouse is a fantastic venue for sports. Also, our great sponsors, Wahoo's Fish Taco right here. My buddy Todd Parmalee came in studio yesterday. They fed everybody at Lotus, came by with their California cuisine. Great place also to watch sports. Their new location on Eastern, out there in Henderson with the second deck where you could look out at the strip, have a great time with your friends and family, watch sports. Wahoo's. Fish Taco, we really appreciate their sponsorship with our show. The Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Boulder Highway in Henderson, the super deals you're looking for. Frank and his team will get you in a car very quickly. Uh, Also, Remy Martin. Remy will be with us, and they're going to be there Sunday, along with our sponsor, M Resort Casino and Spa. We'll be out there for the pregame show. Eight in the morning. Yes, Eric Allen and myself. Also, Donald Penn. Former Raider Tackle will join us in the 9 a.m. hour. So he'll be there. I'll be at the back bar, the Remy Martin Bar, having breakfast and hanging out with friends there. So we're excited about that. Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility in all of Vegas. And then I want to thank my good friends at Modelo because we all know even, even Raider fans are coming up to me saying, JT, on Friday at 2.01, do you drink a bucket of Modelo? Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at my backyard now. They've been on ice since 1 o'clock. The ice is beautifully melting over the Modellos. Going to dive in the pool. The wife's working today. Thank you for the misses. And I'm going to kick back before I take my Uber to Grape Street to see my buddy John. And then head on down to Life is Beautiful for a few cervezas to see the beautiful sunset and some entertainment downtown. I love this gig. I love the fact that John Gruden joins us every week along with Jim Plunkett, Lee Sterling, Jim Trotter, was fantastic. Bobby did it all. Bobby Machado, the best and longest-serving producer in Vegas. He's in the Nevada Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Way to go, Bobby. Raiders, Raiders. 
Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.